Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 363 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Madeline Wolf. Madeline lives in Waco, Texas, and she is an artist, a children's book author, and a mentor at Western Governors University. Welcome, Madeline. Hey, Jen. It's really great to talk to you today. And everybody doesn't know, we already talked for 15 minutes. Just (laughs) (laughs) Creative things, which we'll share as we get on in there. But you know, I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So it was June the 6th, 2019. I was scrolling my Facebook page and I came across a post from a former coworker of mine. She had just turned 50. So it was her happy birthday, turned 50 celebration post. But in that post, she looked phenomenal, by the way. Her pictures were fantastic. And she looked great. And she went on to explain that her goal was to lose 50 pounds by her 50th birthday. And she did. She was beautiful. And she mentioned your book, Delay Don't Deny, said that it was the best decision she had ever made. And if anybody was trying to lose weight, that they should check it out. So I did immediately. Right after that post, I downloaded the book on my Kindle, read it all maybe that night, maybe into the next day. I think I might have reread it the day after that to kind of get all of the information. It's a really quick, easy read and fun. So I gobbled that book up and started the very next day. I love um, it. With it. Now, what brought me to that point where I was willing to read a Facebook post and just jump into this lifestyle change, we got to go back a little bit further. Well, let's do. Our stories all begin a long time ago, don't they? 
right? <laughs> I was always weight aware. I won't say I thought I had a weight problem, but when I go back and look at pictures of myself, I just want to slap myself and go, you did not have a weight issue. Right. But I graduated high school at 150 pounds. I'm five foot eight. And I remember putting 150 pounds on, I don't know if it was ordering a gown or what it was, but I remember my friends looking at that number that I put because everybody could see it and kind of looking at themselves in shock. And I thought, oh my goodness, is 150 pounds a lot? I remember not understanding what other people weighed and having no real way to connect it. So like you're 5'8", 5'8 is tall. 150 is a very healthy weight. (laughs) I was a size six, you know, like 150 pounds and a size six at five, eight. I was not big. And again, I just want to slap myself, but I was friends with really petite people. You know, they are five foot nothing and maybe 110 pounds. And they would always laugh and brag about how they still fit into kid size clothing, you know, and things like that. (laughs) Like I can't fit into kid size clothing. So it just created this weight issue with me. I thought I was overweight, but I wasn't. And that sort of continued on until after high school and into college, always just being super weight aware and thinking 150 pounds is a lot. I really need to drop down to what they were, 110, 120 pounds. So in college, I stayed at about 150 went to the Zumba classes, joined Weight Watchers, which was absolutely ridiculous. Got really angry at myself. I started running. I hired a personal trainer to start working on a marathon, to do a marathon. So I think the lowest weight I ever got was still only about 145 pounds. And that was- I have a question. Mm -hmm. When you said you wanted to run a marathon, was the idea of the marathon, like if I can run a marathon, I will lose weight? Or was it just you wanted to run a marathon? No, look at all the runners. (laughs) Like They're lean. They're they're lean. They just have a complete different body type than I do. And I realize that now. I didn't then. So I thought, well, if I can- go into that lifestyle, become a runner, make it my life, then I can stay slim. I can eat whatever I want and stay slim. So it was completely, totally guided by that, motivated by that. I did enjoy running a little bit, but I did one marathon, Jen, and I wouldn't even say that I ran the marathon. I crawled the marathon. Oh, yeah, that would be me. <laughs> I stumbled across the finish line of the marathon. Well, that is still quite an accomplishment. That is a lot of miles. Yes, I just say I completed it. I don't say I ran it. I just say I completed it. You completed it. it. Well, that's really um, impressive. And it's such a change from like, I remember growing up, There was I was in Lynchburg, Virginia, and my stepfather participated in something called the 10-miler. That was like you know, the Lynchburg or Virginia 10-miler. I can't remember, but that was like what people were doing in the late 70s, the 10 miler. And now we're like, no, 10 is not enough. Let's do a hundred. <laughs> 10 miles is plenty. Five yeah. days are fun. You can go, right. you're done in 30, 45 minutes. You could go eat your breakfast and you're done for the day. Yeah. But you felt like a marathon yeah. was the thing you had to do. Yeah. And it was dumb. It was just really dumb. And that's when I got to my lowest weight of 145 pounds. I okay. was training for them. She had my personal trainer had a list of exercises that I needed to complete every single day, you know, list of foods that I can eat. And after that marathon, I thought, I can't do this. This is miserable. I don't need to be 145 pounds. Let's just forget it. Yeah. I can't have this lifestyle because it was hard getting to that 145 pounds. So I would also say at this point I was teaching. So that was another way I was active. And I was an early elementary school teacher. So teaching kindergarten and I was up all day long, oh, yeah. super active. There were some days where I couldn't remember the last time I sat down. I was like, have I sat down today? Because, That's kindergarten. Yes, they are not independent. You are walking yeah. around all day long. You are tying their shoes. You are helping them wipe their nose, you know, all of that stuff. So The I was worst is when their active. shoelaces are wet. Oh my gosh. It's not <laughs> Did I just raining? bring back a memory you had forgotten? <laughs> <laughs> it's not raining outside. Why are, Why are your shoelaces wet? <laughs> if you've ever taught elementary school, you will know what I mean, everybody who's listening. If you have not, that is a special pleasure for, yeah, it's not right. even raining. I don't know why your shoelaces are wet. And then you like wash your hands a lot right after. That. Yes. Or the, <laughs> kindergarten, the things that you find yourself saying, like, get your finger out of his nose. Right. Like, that's a statement I never <laughs> thought that I would say. I stopped when I said it. I was like, when have I ever thought that I would put those conglomerations? Stop licking together? other people. Things like that. <laughs> exactly. 
We don't lick our friends. <laughs> <laughs> the things you find yourself saying. I could write a book. Uh, it it's true. Hilarious. You should write a book anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was very, very active. I was you know, doing my marathon. I was just very, very active in my 20s. I like to travel. I like to go places. So again, weight aware, but not really having a weight issue in my 20s. Then my 30s hit. And that's when I can honestly say that I started to have an issue with my weight. So when I hit 30, I went from being a classroom teacher to moving in sort of a literacy coach instructional specialist position. So I was no longer in the classroom all day. I had plenty of opportunity to eat and I wasn't walking around all of the time. I was pretty sedentary. Occasionally I would go into classrooms and such. It just wasn't the same. Lots of snacks at a desk. When you're an elementary school teacher, you don't have time to eat except for your lunch or I didn't. But when I hit 30, a lot of things happened. So one is what I just mentioned, moving to a different position. I also bought a brand new house. Lots of stress was added to that. And then I also got married just a few months after turning 30. So a lot of lifestyle changes in that point. And that's when I noticed my weight started to creep up. So I went from 150 pounds to about 187 pounds, like within the first, I would say the first year of turning 30 bloomed up to a size 10, size 12, which is not bad. Still, I carried my weight well, which made it harder for me to want to lose weight because I could still in a size 10 or a size 12. That's not bad, right? But then I had my baby. I had my baby, my son, in 2016, and I gave birth 223 pounds when I gave birth to my son. Luckily, I lost that weight really, really quickly. <laughs> well, 20 pounds of that really quickly, but I was still hovering around the 199, 200 pound mark after that. I just could not get the weight off. Whatever I tried, I tried to go back to running. All those things that I learned doing the, you know, 100 squats a day and 100 push-ups. I started to incorporate a lot of exercise, but didn't focus so much on the food, but nothing was causing and you like change maybe a couple of pounds here or there. Then I tried to, you know, break the habit of Diet Coke thinking, well, maybe just doing Diet Coke and these exercises would change my weight. It didn't. Nothing would move the scale. Went back to Weight Watchers. That didn't work either. So I, at that point in June of 2019, I had just given up. Nothing was working. Um, I was stressed out after having a baby. I was like, that's, it's just too much for me right now. I'm just going to maybe focus on my emotional health and becoming more active later, but I, I give up for now. So that's really what brought me to that point in 2019 where I was willing to do anything because I just stopped. I was just done. I was going to accept myself at 187-ish, 190-something pounds and just get on with my life. Because it takes up way too much mental space when you've trod and trod and trod. And that's the part, I think, that is the common thread throughout all of these stories. Everybody's story is different. We all have our unique challenges, our unique paths that we've taken. But the one thing that is so common for everybody is we tried really hard. Some people that I talked to, they were able to white knuckle themselves to stay in a range. Like let's say you'd always manage to stay in a range of whatever it was, but you had to work so hard to get there. But also most of us tried really hard to lose the weight. We tried so hard, all the things, none of them worked. And then we finally, many of us get to the point where we're like, fine, I don't care because I can't try this hard anymore. Right. And you know, I've got a three-year-old. He yeah. requires all of my attention. I can't train like I did for a marathon. I can't go out running seven miles or 10 miles or 15 miles anymore a day. And I can't go to the gym that often. So yeah, I was like, that's what it takes to get me back to 150 pounds. It's just not worth it. Exactly. So you just give up and then you're like, all right, this is my life now. And then yeah. Hopefully fasting <laughs> pops in and surprises you like it did with you. So you started immediately. I did. I was desperate, Jen. I remember going to a family function and it was their house and they had a pool. And I remember my son, he started walking when he was nine months old. He just was and his one speed was go. <laughs> it was go or sleep or fast or sleep. Yeah. And he was hightailing it towards the pool and I couldn't keep up with him. I was huffing and puffing and trying to run after him. And then luckily a family member, you know, stepped in front and said, just, you know, she was just joking. You're not fast enough for him. You can't keep up with him. And I was like, you know, you're right. I can't keep up with him. Something has got to give. 
And I guess that was in the back of my mind for a long time. But when I fasting, I thought, or when I saw that post about fasting, I thought, you know, this, I can keep up with him. If I can do this, maybe I can keep up with my son. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by by Optimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So yeah, I just, you know, did a deep dive, (laughs) dove right into fasting as soon as I saw it, because I saw it as something I could do. You know, you made it sound so easy. Well, simple, maybe simple. It is definitely simple. simple. Not always easy, but definitely (laughs) simple, right? Yeah. You made it sound simple. And I thought, you know, I could do this. So I started it immediately. And I was about 197 at that point. It dropped me down in the first four months to 183 pounds, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it looked like a lot. Lots of comments on, you know, have you lost a lot of weight? Well, I mean, I've only lost about 14 pounds, but thank you. So I lost weight immediately. I was even dirty fasting, Jen. I'm so sorry. Uh-oh. At the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> For a little while, but I did 16.8. And like I said, within four months, I lost, you know, 14 pounds, which was a lot for me because I had been working so hard previously to that and lost nothing. So 14 pounds is a lot. But then towards the end of 2019, it's a lot of stuff in my personal life began to happen. I lost my grandmother in 2019, December of 2019. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, COVID and everything that it brought. But not to mention, like, we were one of the couples who didn't make it through COVID. Oh, Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. So uh, we started separating in, we separated, sorry, in April of 2020. And then all of those emotions and everything, I just hit a plateau. So I kind of did go back to sort of a little bit of the diet brain, you know, I'm doing this and I did start to clean fast. You know, it took me about four months, but eventually I did it. I'm glad. I'm Uh, glad you started it. (laughs) And what I am happy to say is that I didn't gain any weight during all of this. It kept me steady, but I was still upset at myself for not losing any weight. And what I remember is your voice going, you know, stress does crazy things to your body. It does. Stress does crazy things to your body. So that kind of kept me going. But at the same time, I was thinking, it was just warring, Jen. It was a war between, I know that I'm going through a stressful time. I understand it does bad things to your body. However, I still want to lose weight. Right. <laughs> I still lose my pounds. So that diet brain is attacking, you know, my new knowledge. The whole 2020 craziness, we all had our own level of stress that was different and new just because even people who, you know, were not going through 
separations, whatever. We still, nobody knew what was going on. So we saw people in the fasting community that had been maintaining their weight for years or had, were losing steadily. Then all of a sudden people were putting on weight, people that had been weight stable. I even started to feel puffy and fluffy and had to really focus on my eating window. And so I actually wrote a blog post about it. I did a little research and put that blog post out there of like, yes, stress does cause weight gain. And I know it doesn't feel good, right? When it's you, you're going through it and you want to lose weight. You know that you can, but you're not. But saying, okay, it's not me. I'm not doing anything wrong. It's just my body is going through this stress response right now. But that was really, really what 2020 was just one big stress response for all of us, I think. Yeah, it was during this time that I did the Zoe method. I wanted to see because I was having some sort of gastrointestinal issues, but I didn't realize it was from stress. I was sucking in my gut. Anytime something stressful happened, I would forget to breathe and I would suck in my stomach and it caused some issues. I'm not going to go into detail, but it caused some issues. But I thought, you know, I'm either giving myself a hernia or I just really have struggle so hard. I'm making really poor food choices and I need to see what's going on. So I did the Zoe test and that was really eye-opening. What did you learn that was a surprise? Mm -hmm. I learned that I had almost every single type of bad bacteria in my gut that you could have. (laughs) It seemed, it's not true, but it just seemed like I had a lot of bad bacteria and I had maybe two of the good bacteria that they mentioned initially. And I also learned that I don't process sugar very well. I'm really good at processing, you know, fats. You're good at processing fat? Mm-hmm. I'm so envious of everybody who's good at processing fat. I'm still mad about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have just a piece of white bread and it would just shoot my blood sugar yeah. like through the roof and in a huge crash. Mm-hmm. But when I had, you know, some protein to break my fast or something, it would stay pretty steady. So that was probably the biggest lesson that I learned. And, you know, I subscribed to the app for a little bit to kind of get an idea of the foods, but I logged my foods for the first couple of weeks and I just couldn't do it anymore. I just, yeah, I'm not lucky. good at logging things. No. I can't. I'm really excited about it. Super engaged. But then after we come like, uh, I just can't add another item to my day. Like I just Ditto. have too much to do. I can't add another item. So I did that and it helped a little bit, but I think what really was going on for me was just all the emotional stuff. You know, my son struggles in school. He's got severe ADHD sensory processing disorder. He had started kindergarten. We had moved from, you know, Fort Worth area to the Waco area and he did not do well in school. School was very hard for us. Just very, very hard. You know, that sounds familiar to me with Will. Have you read Cleanish? Did you read that? I bought it. I just bought okay. it. Okay. Okay. Well, in the introduction, I think it's the introduction. In Cleanish, I talk about Will. He's the one that's about to turn 24. And I mean, really, from the minute you talked about running after him and not being able to catch him, he walked at nine months, just like your son. And he got kicked out of daycares. And when he, two. yep, two. <laughs> two, two daycares. And he was on like this student support team for behavior when he was in kindergarten. I mean, all of that. Like we had to have meetings about his behavior. And is your son also bright? Yes. Yes. See, that's also really hard when they're bright, like sensory issues, things like all that sounds familiar. It is very, very challenging to parent a child that is not fitting in well to the school program. Like he's not going to sit quietly in his chair, is he? No, we actually, I got a call from the principal yesterday. This is common for me. (laughs) I got a call from the principal yesterday saying that the behavioral team had worked with him for three hours before they decided to call me. Not decided, but they were trying to get him to calm down and settle him. And they were just letting me know that we really, really tried and nothing that we're doing is working. But that's the kind of call I get all the time. I get it. No. And you're a teacher. And like yes. it's, it's like a punch <laughs> in the gut because right. I bet you were great in your classroom. You had great classroom management. I did. And then here's this son we've got who is not fitting in to yes. what they expect. And, you know, 200 years ago, that kid would be running around the forest, you know, successful mm-hmm. at that kind of life. But the 2023 life is, was not built for these boys we've got. No. So that's what I was dealing with in 2021 Mm -hmm. when he started kindergarten. So we got separated. We were still separated throughout the end of 2020 and into 2021. We had just moved to the area. 
we had just gotten the severe, severe ADHD diagnosis. And I hadn't gotten a diagnosis, well, it's not really a diagnosis, but his issue, I guess it is a diagnosis, I don't know any other way to say it, a sensory processing disorder, right. but we were in the process of, had an appointment scheduled with the occupational therapist just a couple of weeks later. So August of 2021 hits and all of this is going on. We're still processing the divorce. We're both going through that from a two-parent home to a one-parent home, one income, new job, got a new job, by the way, during that time, same company, but a different position. So it was just a lot of change. And although the Zoe test gave me a lot of good information, it didn't solve what was really going on. And it couldn't, like we just needed to go through it. Some problems are just not like something you can just like solve. Like your son is struggling and you can't just snap your fingers and solve it. And Mm -hmm. I do want you to read Cleanish. And have you heard me talk about how we changed the foods and the things we use in our home when Will was little? Have you heard me talk about that? It made such a difference in his ability to focus and control his emotions. I just wanted to put that out there. The Feingold organization really guided us through that. Write that down. Yeah. Feingold, F-E-I-N-G-O-L-D. And the Feingold organization, he was a Benjamin Feingold, I believe was his name. He was a pediatrician or something in the 70s. Anyway, Mm -hmm. he found a connection between what kids were eating and their behavior and All of this was new to me when I started learning about it. And the fact that this connection has been known since people started noticing it. Some of our kids are like the canary in the coal mine, right? Mm -hmm. Will, my son, sounds like your son as well. And their bodies just don't handle all these weird modern day chemicals very well. And it really can change the way that their brains function. And I mean, we know like if you were giving your kid, you know, shots of tequila and he acted weird, you would understand it because we have, (laughs) we all understand alcohol changes the way we behave. But to now understand other chemicals that we're taking in can cause equally weird changes in our brains. It's just something to think about. And it made such a difference for us. I am willing to try anything at this point. I'm kind of at the same point I was when I hit that post that I don't know what to do at this point. We did try to go gluten-free for a while, but it's really hard to go gluten-free, especially Gluten-free is hard. We didn't go gluten-free. We got rid of artificial flavors, artificial colors, and preservatives, and it is so much easier now than it used to be. Also, salicylates. When you start digging into the Fine Gold organization, salicylates are a chemical found in plant foods. And, you know, aspirin, we all understand aspirin, salicylic acid, I think, is the name of it. And so you know how some people are, like, sensitive to aspirin or allergic to aspirin. Well, Will was sensitive to salicylate foods. Like, for example, he couldn't tolerate apple or grape. He would have a behavioral reaction to those. And it sounds nutty, but he could have pear juice instead of apple juice. Those non-salicylate fruits worked really well for him. So go down that rabbit hole, dig in. There's some free resources you can get on the Fine Gold Organization website. You can read about it. Like, I can't remember the name of the, they have like a book. You can download a lot of it for free and start going down that road because it was life-changing for us. And we taught him to understand, like he called it his when his body felt bad. He could feel the difference once he understood it. And so it wasn't easy. We had to take our own birthday party cupcakes in a baggie. (laughs) But luckily, you know, now he doesn't have to restrict. Did you get him tested for that or was it trial and error? It's really an elimination protocol trial and error. And, you know, this was also very hard on our marriage. I remember when I was like, all right, I've read all this stuff. We're going to do it. And Chad was like, not into it. You know, he was like, uh-uh, we're not buying $8 shampoo. Or not. I mean, that was, you know, way back in the early 2000s. He's like, we are not buying all this, you know, weird, you know. I'm like, I'm sorry, but we are. We are doing this. And now he says that was the best thing you ever did, Chad. Now in hindsight, looks back on it. But it's not easy and you just eliminate. And then if that is something that is an issue for him, you will know. Like when Will accidentally got some, well, he snuck some Hershey Kisses at a wedding and then went crazy. <laughs> and my whole family went, oh, oh yeah. Because he was like, fine. And then he wasn't. It was, it's like it's like a switch got flipped. Yes. And people don't understand, right? Because I tell them some of the behaviors of my son and they go, well, all little boys are like that. And I just no. want to scream. I was like, you don't no, understand. Not. Is not it like every- a switch gets flipped? I don't see it that immediately. I noticed that sometimes sugar can cause them to be a little hyper, but like you said, a flip cut, that's that's really fast. I don't see that exactly. And sometimes I don't even know what caused it. I have no idea why he's such a monster 
one minute and good another. But I mean, it is something that that obviously we've been working on. I've got a behavioral specialist that he goes to, occupational therapist, an emotional play therapist. But it is something that just hearing your podcast and buying the book, I realized that maybe that's something that maybe his body just can't handle all the toxins. Well, I'm hoping that that helps you as much as it helped us because we avoided medication. We avoided all of the things really cleaning up his diet, changing what he was exposed to. But still, if he was at school and someone sprayed a bunch of, you know, like weird air freshener in the room, he would react to that because he was, again, like I said, that canary in the coal mine. You could just see his eyes change. And finally, teachers like were like, oh, yeah, I believe it. I saw it happen. He was fine. And then the janitor came in and then, oh, he was different. I'm like, yeah, see, (laughs) tell him not to spray that while he's around. You'll be glad. Anyway. I'm glad that you're going to explore all that. I hope that it makes a difference. So no wonder that you're under a lot of stress because there is nothing harder than watching your child struggle and feeling helpless. Exactly. Exactly. One thing that really helped me, and this was a turning point. So the clean fast was a turning point for me. The Zoe method, I would say, was another turning point. It didn't make as much of an impact because of all of the other things that were going on. But I remember the lessons from that and I continued to apply them. But another one was somebody on your podcast, I don't know if she was a guest or not, but Dr. Hillary McBride, one of your guests then mentioned Dr. Hillary yeah. McBride on yep. the Jen Hatmaker podcast. Okay. And it changed everything. I mean, it really just changed how I moved forward and how I started my day because it's about being kind to your body and, you know, understanding kind of what's going on and thanking your body for what it's doing. And really just for me, it was just being patient going, okay, dude, I'm going through a really hard time right now. Like it's not my fault. And the feelings that I'm feeling are let's honor them and value them and, you know, kind of figure out how to move forward. So I stopped saying negative things. I took weight off the table. And that's, I guess, why I call it a turning point because weight was no longer an issue for me because it wasn't going to be something that I focused on. My focus was on getting well, just getting emotionally stronger, mentally stronger, and I needed to have the energy to deal with my son. By the way, at that time, I took him out of public school because when I started kindergarten, I started getting phone calls, emails, messages, you know, all the apps send you messages. You know, my son did this. My son did that. My son did this. Phone calls every single day, sometimes multiple times a day, and it wasn't helping. So at that time. And that makes you a little mad as a parent because if you could fix it, you would fix it. You're not like, I don't care. Do whatever. No. I mean, but there was literally nothing I could do at home at night or at any point that would make him lie on his nap mat in the kindergarten classroom. Nothing. Like I could like, there's no punishment. There's literally nothing I can do to fix what his problem is in that kindergarten classroom. And it was not because my lack of caring or discipline. And every day he got a red frowny face every freaking day. I'm like, you know what, kindergarten teacher, here's what you can do with your red frowny face. Here's what I think (laughs) of you. You know, I'm frowny facing right back at you because he felt so unsuccessful. Yes. And we're doing everything at home that we can. Uh I told you about Mm -hmm. the therapist that he was going to, and we were on medicine for ADHD. We went down that road because I was desperate for something. Oh, yeah. Still getting the phone call. So finally, I just took him out. And, you know, beginning of 2021 school year, lots of districts were offering virtual school. So I just said, okay, I'll just go ahead and do that, which didn't help because now I'm single and work full time. And now having to do his virtual school on top of my own job, it was just really hard. Like I would say 2021 and even up until halfway through 2022, which is really hard years. 2020 also throw that in there too. All of them are just extraordinarily difficult. So when I heard that podcast, it gave me permission to just let's take this whole idea of losing weight and being upset at our bodies off the table. Let's just focus on me getting well and getting my son well. And that is going to be our only focus, not going to pursue anything else. And that permission it gave me, it just, I could breathe again. I could take a breath and go, okay, I don't need to worry about losing weight. So during that time, I decided that I wasn't going to say anything negative about myself. 
myself or anybody else about my son either. You know, like, why can't you just do this? Why can't you, for me, like, why couldn't you lose five more pounds? Or why did you eat that piece of cheesecake? I would keep fasting. So I continue to fast, but it was a very flexible time, like maybe 18, 6, 16, is not difficult for me. And that was all I was going to do. I was going to keep my fast, keep on clean fasting, but my focus was going to be on getting emotionally better. So I would look at myself in the mirror and that's when the barrage usually happens, right? Look at all those wrinkles. Look at that cellulite, you know, like your hair is a mess, all the barrage of negative thoughts. And I would just look at myself in the mirror. I would smile and say, good morning. That's all I would do. And sometimes that's all I could muster. I couldn't bring myself to give myself a compliment. I would just smile. Good morning. And then sometimes I would say, you know, based on her podcast, she would talk about how she would say thank you to her body. So I would say, you know, thank you for allowing us to go to the zoo yesterday. And thank you, hands, for being able to create a painting. Or thank you, body, for giving me a good night's sleep. And I would start to do that more often. And when I stopped with the critical thoughts and felt like I could breathe again, I guess what I'm trying to say is that's when I felt like I could maybe start focusing on weight again. But it took about a year. It took about a year. Well, that is such a powerful process. I thank you for sharing it because you've heard people say before, a variation on, you know, you can't heal a body you hate. Yes. And we all, you know, look at my arm right there. I got some flabby weirdness. I'm showing it. I'm showing it to you. (laughs) You know, we've all got it. We all do. Mm -hmm. And we can focus on those things or we can be like, but look though, I've got muscle too. And, you know, I can focus on that. So I don't focus on this wobbly underneath part here. I focus on this. Oh, look, I'm strong. And when we focus on the good, we realize how much good there is and how much our bodies have done for us, how capable we are. Exactly. And I threw out the scale too. I'm like, I'm not Yay! even going to get on the scale because that's not my focus, right? Right. I wish there was a scale that could measure how emotionally balanced I was, you know? Uh, that's <laughs> you the one we need. Yeah. It, right? <laughs> yeah. So for like 2021 ish, when I discovered that podcast, can't remember exactly when it was, all throughout the next year, that was my primary focus. And I didn't say I'm not going to focus on weight. I just, I'm not going to focus on weight right now. Right. It's not going to be my focus right now. And then when he was able to go back to school for 2022, I feel like my whole journey is guided by, you know, his timelines when he goes right. to school. <laughs> when he was able to go to school again, he had a phenomenal first grade teacher because his first grade teacher had sons that were like Elliot, like my son, the ADHD and everything. So she was a lot more forgiving. And she also knew what I was going through because she went through it herself. So I got very few phone calls and messages. Now they still had to call me because it didn't go away. But she just, I guess, could handle a lot more than some of the other teachers could. You know, you're telling my same story. Will's first grade teacher, he loved her so much. And she was so good for him. And Mm -hmm. that was it. The teachers make or break it for our our kids, like our boys. And the teachers that understood how hard he was trying and saw his special spark, they loved him. And then the ones, like I could tell you which teachers, kindergarten, he skipped second grade, which helped because then he got to third grade and because he's bright. But his first grade teacher was amazing. His third grade teacher was amazing. Fourth grade, thumbs down. Mm, She didn't get him. Fifth grade, loved him. Great. But you can really just, you know, when a year was successful based on that teacher. Right. And she, do you get to have any say in who he has or at all? No, I haven't. I haven't had any say. I haven't tried either Mm -hmm. though. So maybe next year I'll try more. I'll do more. Here's what I want you to do. This is me. You know, you're a teacher, you know how Mm -hmm. schools are. I want you to talk to that first grade teacher and say, you have been amazing. I need your help for next year. How do we make sure he has a teacher for second grade that is going to be a good fit for him? You know, at our school, we didn't get to pick. Well, teachers did, but the regular parents didn't get to pick. But you could write a letter talking about the kind of teacher that your child needs, and the principal would take that into consideration. So really talk to that first grade teacher and see what her input is on based on how that school's politics of placing kids might be. You know what I'm talking about, right? I do. But it makes such a difference when whether the year is good or bad. It does. It does. He's actually already started second grade. Oh, okay. Okay. Is, this, but, oh, yeah, you're right. It's the beginning of the school year. I, I but, forgot when it was. <laughs> we had a meeting, obviously, at the very beginning. Okay. So of course we did, because he's my son. And we talked as a team, and a lot of consideration went into his second grade teacher now. It's just oh, good, a good, 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 good. Different. 
because she doesn't have kids like my son's first grade teacher did. And I do think that makes a difference because it does. When I was a young teacher, I started teaching when I was 23 years old, no kids, single, you know, doing what I was doing, the marathons and stuff. I loved my kiddos, but sometimes I didn't quite understand the parent perspective because I wasn't a parent. Right. You know, I just, not that I didn't try, but now as a parent of a kiddo like my son, if I were a teacher with parents like this, I would be much more gentle. I would be just a lot different. I, a lot more forgiving, maybe is the word. You those. no longer blame the parents <laughs> like you used exactly. to. Exactly. Because you like, understand that. I mean, look, there are things... Sometimes you can say, hmm, if the parent did this a little bit differently, that would be better. But parents can't solve all these issues. No, and we have degrees in education and we have experience in education and we read the books and not everybody does. And still we're struggling. Still we're struggling with that behavior. And, you know, some of those parents don't have, just don't have that. Like I said, I would be much more forgiving <laughs> if I went it's back to the classroom now. It is true. Sure. You got it. Yep. I understand. But is he having an okay, so like his teachers working with him in second grade? It's okay. It's yeah. okay. The first of the year is really rough. For him, relationships are very important. And it's just going to take a while to build a yeah. relationship with his current teacher. But I would say based on his kindergarten year, when I was getting phone calls and emails and messages every single day versus now when it's maybe once a week, then it's definitely an improvement. It's progress, Good. not perfect, but it's progress. Yep. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. That's good. It makes such a difference. Well, you know, I'm rooting for you and I'm rooting for him because it's hard to be him. You know, it's hard to be the kid who feels like he can't please the adults because he wants to. That's when you realize when you have a child like that, you realize they're not like trying to make everybody upset. They really, they want to do what you want them to do. They just physically can't control themselves. Absolutely. And I wish everybody would understand that. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So you, he's back in school and how has it been different now for you? Well, so we kind of jumped ahead a little bit you were talking about the first grade year and focusing on your weight loss again. So yes, in 2022, when he went back to first grade, I was able to get back to the gym. I like working out. I enjoy working out. So I was able to get back into the gym a little bit. I went to some local boot camps to get back into weightlifting or doing a little bit of strength training and still haven't lost a whole lot of weight since then. I went to the doctor just this past year, December of 2022, because I had strep throat and I had to get on the scale. I didn't want to get on the scale, but I was down to 172 pounds. So went from 180s to 172. So I had lost a little bit of weight at that point, but I really have stopped making that my focus this point, I'm 40 years old, so I realize it's not going to be easy, but at 172 pounds, I wear a size 8, a solid size 8. I still get a lot of compliments. I can still stand to lose about, you know, 10-ish pounds. According to my doctor, maybe about six more pounds, and I would be in that range that my height and bone structure and everything is supposed to be in, between 144 and 164. And I'm like, I'm not going to get down to 144. I remember 145 pounds, and I am not doing that ever again. And there wasn't a whole lot of difference between 145 and 155 when it came to, like, my sizes, you know? So I'm going to worry more about, I'm going to look at that sizes and how I feel in my body. And right now I just, I have more energy than I've ever had and I feel good. 
I feel good. I think you look amazing. I mean, I can only see you from shoulders up, but you do not like, I don't look at you. Yeah, look at you. It's strong. I don't look at you and think overweight at all. Like I was expecting you to tell me you'd gotten down to 150 pounds again because your shoulders, you look slim to me from the part I can see your face. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so I well, was really expecting you to tell me you were back at 150 because you, you really do look good. But size eight is a great size. So yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I feel good. It. Like I said, I would still like to do a little more strength training. I even did my yeah. own experiment in the last month. I got really interested in body types because I would hear some of your guests right. who were around my height, five foot seven, five foot nine, whatever, something crazy. And they would talk about how they were 130 or 120 and 140. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> were they 140? So I started investigating just a little more and things I already knew that there are people with just different body types, the mesomorph and ectomorph mm-hmm. and endomorph. Yeah. And I now know that those runners were that really small body type, right? The sinewy people is what I call yeah. them. Very sinewy. <laughs> or, you know, maybe the people who walked out of the set of Lord of the Rings, the elves, you know, this very thin and very long. And that's not me. I must solid medium. <laughs> like I'm not a big person. I'm not a little person. You know, you're, you sound medium. like Sherry. Do you listen to the Fast Feast Repeat podcast? I do. I do. Sherry, same story. Sherry, you know, she talked about it in fact today in the community that someone was talking about how they finally appreciate their body type, just like you're saying. And yes. Sherry chimed in and that was the same thing. She had that story in her head because she had two siblings that were the sinewy type, the skinny mm-hmm. type, and she was not. And so she was solid, but mm-hmm. always told herself that story that she was fat, but she wasn't. It was just being being a different body type. And that right. once we acknowledge, hmm. I got a different body type that can really, really help with that inner dialogue that you tell yourself that you're not the right kind of body. It's just the body you have. Yes. I've always been strong, like yeah. surprisingly strong. My friends would always ask me to help move because I could lift the TVs by myself, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or I went to a garage sale once and I bought a box of books because I was a teacher and I needed them. And I picked it up and the lady who sold me the books had gone inside and gotten a dolly to lift the box of books. And she looked at me and she goes, you could lift the box of books. I was like, oh yeah. Is, is it supposed to be heavy? Like it was kind of heavy because it was a box <laughs> yeah. of books, but she needed a dolly to lift it. And I was able to lift it with without any issues. So, and there's like, I have a hundred stories like that of little things like comments that people have said. So I've just said, I've accepted and I've grown to appreciate that I am a strong person. And that's probably part of the reason why I want to get back to boot camps and back to the gym. So going back to my experiment gym. So I did an experiment understanding this. I go, okay, I want to see what changes I can make in my body. And I didn't give it a very long time. It was less than a month, but I wanted to do it before this podcast because I wanted to share the results. So it was August the 14th when I did it. So not quite a month from this point. And I decided that I was going to keep my fasting regiment the same because I am in a regiment that I can actually keep up with. And I don't want to do anything that I can't do the rest of my life. So I would keep that the same, but I would just add in five minutes of strength training. So I walk my dog like every day. So I do a little bit of cardio, but I wanted to add strength training. So I printed out this list of 100 Pilates moves because I don't want to do a video. I can't do it if it's the same video over and over and over again. Me, I get so bored. I'm with you. (laughs) And I do love things like Zumba or whatever, but I really wanted to target strength training. So I have these Pilates moves and I did at least five minutes. So sometimes it was more than five minutes. But it was at least five minutes every day for a month is what I wanted to do. Because I can do that. I work from home. I sit on the computer. I could take five minutes to do, you know, a plank or something. Now, I will say I was hoping for more of a result. I knew that the scale wasn't going to change. So it was like 171.9 and now it's 171.4. But that's not really a change. And... Every measurement stayed the same except for my thighs. I lost an inch in my thighs in just that matter of time. And I knew I would because when I have worked out, it didn't necessarily, again, see a change in the scale, but my body looked different very, very quickly. I would tone very, very quickly. So I knew, I I hoped that there would be a little bit of a change. And there was, and it gave me hope that that although nothing else changed, that if I can continue to do maybe a little bit of strength training, which I enjoy, which isn't yeah. hard for me, that maybe I could drop a size or two, although that's not urgent right now. 
I think that's a great strategy going forward. Now I'm like looking for, you're going to have to email me where you found those 100 Plotties moves. I would like, that would work really well for me. Something like that, like a list and I could just pick and choose. Because I like do random things that I just like think of, but I'm sure there's, if I had like an actual list of moves, I would be willing yeah, to do Yeah, and I just choose from it. Which ones do I want to do today? Yeah, I could and- totally do that while I'm like watching TV or doing something else. That sounds really good. But I think an inch in your thighs in slightly less than a month is pretty substantial. I hear your dog. You got a dog I know, and there. I'm so sorry. The, no, the- don't feel sorry. Pretty much almost everybody listening has a pet of some sort. So we understand. Yeah. Pet's going to make noise. But, you know, you sound like somebody that builds muscle easily. I do. And I appreciate that now. And I didn't appreciate it before. And I really think that the high weight has to do with just the amount of muscle mass that yeah, I have. Yeah, you've got a lot of lean body tissue. And so that's an example of a scale not telling the true story for you. And so, you know, I bet if you can keep doing, you keep building the muscle, you know, then we lose more fat because slightly higher muscle mass, our metabolic rate goes up a little bit. And then I bet you'll shrink your way down into that size six again at a much higher weight than you were at before when you were a size six, because you're almost there. You're an eight. Yeah, solid size eight. And I'm going to keep doing my experiment. I'm going to keep going yeah, because I enjoy keep going. This. Yeah. It sounds like a fun experiment. So tell me about some of your other non-scale victories. You mentioned more energy. Also, I definitely think the fact that you love your body and you're working with your body is the biggest non-scale victory of all. But what are some of the others? I feel like I've aged a little slower. Yeah. I tell people that I'm 40 and they're surprised. Jen, I even got carded. Oh, <laughs> I, I love it. Twice this year. It's like, I turned 40 this year and you're asking me for my ID. Absolutely, you can have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I've heard lots of your listeners say that. did They just look younger than their actual biological age. So that's a big one. I wish that I can say that I stopped growing gray hair. But that is not the case. I yeah, I haven't stopped doing hair. that either. I got all kind of gray hair in there. And by the way, I've only been asked for my ID when I have my roots done. Nobody asked me for my ID when my, my gray hair is showing <laughs> or under fluorescent lighting. Never happens. Allergies. I used to have to take allergy medication. Now, I never had horrific allergies, but I started to have at least once or twice a year. I don't know what was in the air during this time, but it was bad. Headaches, mm-hmm. runny nose and everything. Now I don't have it at all. Period. That's last amazing. Years, not at all. Toenail fungus. It went away. Wow. But I would say it did not happen during the 16-8 protocol. It took me going to like the longer fast. Yeah. Like an 18-hour fast, six-hour window kind of a thing. Exactly. Well, more to the 20 hour. Okay. Really, that's when yeah. I began to see a difference in that. And then, well, I guess I already told you this, the energy. Like I can keep up with my son. Yeah. And that energy is important when you're dealing with a kiddo like ours. Right. Where you really have to be patient. Like when you can't snap, like when their voice gets higher, your voice has to go lower. Like you really need, you need all of that energy to control your reactions. So to me, that was the biggest thing. Yeah, that really is so very true. And again, for everybody who's listening, if you've got a challenging kiddo like ours, you like, oh, I thought parenting would be really, really different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I thought if I only had one child, I've said this before, Cal, my oldest, if I just had one child, I'd be like, man, am I a good mother? (laughs) I just said, get straight A's. And guess what? He went and he did it. (laughs) Right. The good Lord has sent us these special children to teach us that to let a little bit go. That's really how I feel about Will. I love him so very much. I wouldn't change a thing, honestly, because it's taught me so much. Right. The opposite of me completely. And, you know, Maria Montessori says that parenting is easy when your child is very much like you because you understand them, right? Uh If they like what you like, if they're an introvert, you're an introvert, you get that. But when your child is the complete opposite of you, I am an introvert. He is an extrovert. I am very much a people pleaser and he doesn't care who he pleases. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't oh, care. <laughs> care at all. He uh-huh. is not a people pleaser and he just likes completely different things. And that makes things hard. It when does. Because you don't understand. Like, why are you doing that? Like, what's, I don't get it. But anyway, so the energy to be able to deal with that, like how I need to and how I know that he needs me to. Right. Like that has been the biggest thing, honestly. Well, wow, that's huge. And just, you know, 
knowing that you can take that time, you can pause and fasting has helped you connect with that inner voice of like, you know, you can breathe. That's huge. Those are the things we don't expect. You know, fasting gives us more than we thought it would. Right. And during this journey, just all those turning points, you know, it wasn't fasting, but fasting led me to something else and it led me to something else. And I mean, four years in, I haven't lost a whole lot of weight, you know, maybe 25-ish pounds since I first started. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when we first started? I would say if you are experiencing a really hard time like I was, divorce or a big life change or a traumatic event that you also put late loss off the table. Yeah. Don't stop fasting because that keeps you grounded. It kept me grounded, but put weight loss off the table for now. Make your focus on getting better, making sure you're emotionally prepared or emotionally healed, which is a process before you start focusing on your weight again. And I would definitely recommend that podcast episode with Dr. Hillary McBride on the Jen Hatmaker podcast. Okay. I would really recommend that because it was life-changing for me. Absolutely. I love that. And it sounds like a very powerful message. I might go look for it myself. I've loved a lot that Jen Hatmaker has done over the years, like her blog post when she, her kids, and that made me love her and her authenticity. Yes. And I would also say just understand your body type and stop comparing yourself to others because there are some of us who lose weight really quickly and some of us who do not. And just appreciate your own body type and learn to develop it because that's also been a really big help for me when thinking about my weight loss. I'm thinking more about your body composition and toning and being strong as opposed to, you know, losing weight. I actually follow this 87 year old weightlifter on Instagram. And of course I can't think of her name right now, but she's been my inspiration. She's amazing. Real quick, before we stop, tell people how to find your books. Okay. So I have two books out there, children's books, the story of Mrs. Inez and little Eddie wants a hamster based on my son. You can find them both on Amazon. Or you can find them on my art website, hotkeyart.com. Spell your website? Hotkey, H-O-T-K-E-Y, A-R-T-art.com. Either one. And then you're getting it directly from me. And I'll send you a little bookmark. But you can also find them on Amazon. And I'll add a link to hotkeyart.com in the show notes. So people can find you in your books. And the story of Miss Inez, did I get that title right? The story of Mrs. Inez. Mm-hmm. And it's a story about dealing with Alzheimer's and a child learning about how. A little girl who comes across somebody who has Alzheimer's. It's her grandmother's roommate in the nursing home. And not really understanding why this woman can't tell her story. So right. it's just kind of the discovery of processing what Alzheimer's is, although it never says Alzheimer's, but there's a little information at the beginning about the Alzheimer's Association and that sort of stuff. But yeah, like Alzheimer's through the point of view of a nine-year-old. That sounds like a great book and really one that a lot of kids could benefit from because a lot of kids out there have grandparents that are going through this, some sort of dementia, and it's hard to understand. So that's why children's books are so powerful because they teach through the story. It's a conversation starter. That's what I really wanted it as. And I've had many people tell me, you know, I didn't really know how to explain Alzheimer's until I got your book. And then we could read the book together and then sort of explain what might happen when they go visit Grammy or, you know, visit Meemaw. Now they understand a little bit more. So that's what I want to add as a former elementary school teacher. That's kind of my purpose of that book. Well, it sounds like a really good one. So that's hotkeyart.com and I'll have that in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for coming and for telling your story today, Madeline. Thank you, Jen. It's been an absolute pleasure. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. 
Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.